Who neutered the Holy Spirit? Who neutered the Holy Spirit? From fellowshipofthemartyrs.com Page 19 and 20 What if I'm the one that is neutering the Holy Spirit? Oh, dude, that would be really bad. But you totally can, you know. You can put God in a box. And if you don't think God can talk to people, then he won't talk to you. If you don't think God heals people, then don't expect anybody in your church to get healed. Just keep praying that the doctors would have wisdom and remember all that they learned in medical school. Send the doctors a nice encouragement letter. Maybe just your good vibes will help. That seems like a really sad God to be worshipping if you ask me, but that's the best you can hope for because you've denied the supernatural power of God and quenched the spirit. So you're on your own power now. Good luck with that. And luck is pretty much all you've got. See, he's very polite. The Holy Spirit is a gentle dove, and he won't stay where he's not invited. He doesn't force himself on people, and he will leave the building as soon as you start going your own way and making it about you. There are lots of churches where that gentle dove hasn't been spotted in years. The vast majority of Christians in the West have probably never even felt the Holy Spirit move at all. Our structures and systems are so directly and perfectly inverted from the way it is supposed to work that we just don't leave him any room at all. And so many of us have adopted doctrines that essentially only leave a little teeny box for the Holy Spirit to occupy, just the souped-up conscience box, a gentle nudge to do the right thing. In fact, evidently, it's so gentle that it's incapable of keeping 50% of the pastors in America from using porn and more than half of the people in the evangelical churches of America from getting divorced. Never mind sloth, anger, unforgiveness, division, dissension, selfish ambition, envy, lust, pride, greed. Hey, wait! Those are the acts of the sinful nature that will keep us from inheriting the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 19-21 Do you mean... That if we're doing that stuff, even if we said the sinner's prayer and we're going to church all the time, we might not inherit the kingdom of God? Yep. That's not what I'm saying. That's what the word of God says. If you love him, you'll obey him. If you don't forgive others, he won't forgive you. If he's not your first priority, then you're worshiping idols. That's bad, right? You probably ought to knock it off. But how can you? Have you tried rebuking that fear in your own name? Try this. I rebuke you, vile spirit of fear, in the name of Pastor Bob. See how that works for you. Have you tried to get off of drugs or porn or anger or alcohol in your own power? How did that work for you? Is it all the way gone? Or do you just have to be on guard all the time and constantly fearful that it might pop up at any moment and wreck your life? Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Because he has the power to completely and totally scrub that stuff out once and for all and make you a new person. I've seen him do it instantly complete and total and instantaneous removal of addictions to drugs and cigarettes and porn and all kinds of stuff. I've seen the Spirit of God do radical transformations on people that result in them being completely unrecognizable to their friends and family. Nobody even knew that it was possible for that cranky, angst-filled teenage girl that was anorexic and cutting to actually be happy. But she is, and it won't go away. And it's more than just salvation. It's being full and learning how to stay full all the time. And it's not about church. We are the church. We don't have to go to church. It's about being so cram-packed full of Jesus that nothing else can fit. And it's for all of us. And it's available today. And it will keep you from sin and transform you and make you a new creation. And you'll hear God and he will direct all your paths. For real, I'm not making this up. It's all in the Bible. You just have to believe that the Bible means what it says 
and stop listening to men. But it's entirely possible that you're the one that's been neutering the Holy Spirit. In fact, even if you don't have him in a teeny weeny box, you probably have limited him somehow. The solution is to say you're sorry and mean it and ask him to bust through all of your boxes and just be God to you in whatever way he wants. As long as it's him and you know it's him and not some counterfeit, just loose him to relate to you in whatever way he thinks best. You can be sure that when you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Mark 7, 9. If you come to him with a pure heart seeking the real thing, he's not going to allow you to get a counterfeit. He's a good dad. This is a one-on-one -on -one walk you're supposed to be having here. You can't get salvation by proxy through someone else. You can't reliably hear God for yourself if you're taking someone else's word for what God wants you to hear. Regardless of your denomination or theology or anything else, you are going to be held responsible for what you did with the gift he gave you. Did you bury it in the sand or did you trade it and invest it wisely and make it grow and bring a good return? Matthew 25:14-30 When you stand before God, he is going to ask you what you did with his son Jesus and his spirit. You won't be able to blame the pastor or the denomination. If you're hearing this, you're aware now that you're responsible and that you will have to answer for why you grieved and blasphemed the Holy Spirit. You can't blame it on John MacArthur or the Bible Answer Man or some heresy hunter website you read. You can't blame it on your denominational theology. You're a grown-up. You can read the Word of God. You can seek the Lord. You can answer when He knocks. He's been trying to get through to you. He's been standing at the door and knocking. If you harden your heart, then the consequences are on your own head. Please, if this is getting through, maybe you could pray this, or something like it, whatever. Dear Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I don't get all of this. I don't get how exactly it might change things. But I know I'm not all the way full. Please, Lord, please. I have to know it's you. I don't want to counterfeit or anything from the enemy, and I don't want it to be my own flesh. But i got to have more of you, Lord. Please, I'm sorry for whatever I've done to grieve your spirit. If there's something in particular that I've done that you want me to repent for specifically, please show it to me and I will. But otherwise, just please accept my apology and wash me clean with the blood of Jesus. I'll try to do better. I didn't know that there was more of you available to me. Please, Lord, just baptize me or dunk me or marinate me or whatever you have to do so that I'm all the way full, shaken together, packed down, and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Please get any pieces of me out of your way so that I can walk in the fullness of all that you have for me. I promise to give you all the glory and not make it about me. Please, Abba, I come to you in faith, believing that this is what you want for me, so I know you're going to answer it. Show me how to reach up and drink from the fountain of living water all the time. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord, amen. Who neutered the Holy Spirit? Who neutered the Holy Spirit? From fellowshipofthemartyrs.com, page 21 through 24. Yeah, whatever. How bad could it be? What can the Holy Spirit do to me anyway? Oh, you just had to go and ask that, didn't you? Now we're going to have to get it on. Did you really put the Holy Spirit in such a small box that you think you are bigger than Him? Oh, that's going to hurt. I sure hope you hear my warning on this, because your clock is ticking if you don't. It's bad enough if you believe it, but I sure hope you're not teaching that stuff. 
warnings about the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Matthew 12, 31 and 32. Mark 3, 29. Luke 12, 10. If you resist him, you're stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. Acts 7, 51. Don't grieve him by division in the body. Ephesians 4.30 Don't quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Don't insult the Spirit, or else. Hebrews 10.29-30 Don't harden your hearts to His voice by your unbelief, or else. Hebrews 3.7-19 The Spirit is jealous and doesn't like you making something else an idol. James 4 If you try to lie to Him, He might just kill you. Acts 5.1-10 through 10. Try, test every spirit to be sure it's of God. 1 John 4, 1-6 If you hate, you're not hating man, but God that gave his spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4, 8 Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, not your own. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Those without the spirit will persecute you. Galatians four twenty nine five seventeen. It's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the power of the world to come and then fall away to be renewed again unto repentance. Hebrews six four through five. I think he sort of mentioned that last one in the Old Testament warnings too. What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Well, in the context of that passage, people were saying that Jesus was delivering demons, but even though the Holy Spirit was doing it, they were giving Satan credit for it. So they were denying that the Holy Spirit was real, or there, or powerful, or at work, and instead glorified the enemy, who was the one getting exercised. Again, if you start telling folks that God doesn't heal people, and that every faith healer on TV is full of Satan, and it's Satan healing people, then A, you have to show me where in the Bible Satan heals anybody, B, you have to explain how a house divided can stand, C, you have to understand that if even one person actually did get healed by the power of the Holy Spirit, but you are so careless with your words as to give the enemy all the credit, then you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. If anyone is speaking in tongues, and it is real, and for today, and for spreading the gospel, and is being used biblically and appropriately, but you insist that all tongues are of the devil, then you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? And I don't know exactly what the requirements or limitations of this threat are, but Jesus himself said that people that do that will never be forgiven for it. You might want to be extra, extra careful. And one of the very best ways to grieve the Holy Spirit is by encouraging, sanctioning, tolerating, aiding, participating in division inside the body of Christ. We're not just talking about the local congregation, we're talking about the whole body. We have 37,000 plus denominations now. How could he not be stomping mad furious with us? How could the Holy Spirit not be grieved by this horrible mess we've made? And we told him it was God that told us to do it. Listen buddy, let me warn you. You don't know who you're messing with here. This is a third of the Godhead you're poking at. He'll send a strong delusion on you, destined for your destruction, and you won't even know he did it. That's what a strong delusion means. You'll be sure you're hearing God, even while the ATF and FBI are rolling tanks into your living room. You'll be absolutely positive that you are God's chosen messenger, and that you're hearing him and testing the spirits and know what you're doing, all the way to the bottom of the poison Kool-Aid. You'll have a worldwide TV ministry and be building an amusement park and have air conditioners in your dog houses and the next thing you know, you'll be in jail. You might even be the president of the National Association of Evangelicals and have the president of the United States on your speed dial. But before you know it, you're having sex with your masseuse and exposed on the same Fox News channel that used to love you. And you'll never even know what hit you until it's too late. 
Do not underestimate God. Go read Deuteronomy 28. If you disobey, he will crush you like a bug. And it even says, Just as it pleased me to see you prosper, it will please me to destroy you. Deuteronomy 28.63 If you go your own way, he will see to it that you end up eating your own children. Wow! We're not teaching that in Sunday school. This is a jealous God we're talking about here. Yes, he's a warm, fuzzy, loving shepherd. But he's more than that, too. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews 10.31 He might hit you with a bus, but he might also just lift his hand the tiniest little bit and let you go your own way. He might just give you the desires of your heart, which has something to do with your secretary's cleavage, and it will wreck your life. He might even send more and more people to your congregation so that it would grow and you'd be famous and feel like God is blessing you and money's rolling in and you get a new book deal and you are getting farther and farther from the broken, contrite vessel that is actually useful to God. Before you know it, that radical, Jesus-freak, idealistic first-time pastor is a purpose-driven, big-church, institutional sellout with a new gym and a chandelier in the sanctuary, and a congregation full of bleeding, sucking, spiritual chest wounds with no help on the horizon. And you'll just be as happy as a clam while you lead them all down the broad way straight to hell. If you go your own way, if you get out from under his headship, then anything that wants to will shoot at you, and he will let it have at you until you repent. But you can't repent when you're under a strong delusion that convinces you that you're just fine. But the only solution is to repent. But you can't. You get it? You're in a catch-22 until he thinks you've had enough and you've learned your lesson. Read this, www.fellowshipofthemartyrs.com slash red underscore dragon dot htm. I've seen it. I've felt it. I know about the wrath of God and the love of God. None of us can get our head around the extremes of either one. Yet he is both. You can't leave one out and say that you have a complete understanding of God. You want some biblical principles? People who had the Holy Spirit and then were filled with something else later. King Saul was filled with an evil spirit from God. 1 Samuel 16.14 Ananias and Sapphira, and they dropped dead. Acts 5, 1-10 Deceived Christians, 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What kinds of doctrines of devils? Oh, maybe that devils aren't real, and we don't need to fight them, and we don't actually have any weapons anymore? That sounds like a doctrine a devil would like you to buy into, doesn't it? Or that if we say so many Hail Marys and Our Fathers, we can keep on drinking and cussing and playing the field and being not at all like Jesus the rest of the week, and we're just fine? Or maybe that God wants all Christians to be rich and fat and comfy? Or maybe that God loves America so much that he'll rapture us out before any shooting starts so we won't have to actually endure any persecution, even though Christians pretty much everywhere else already are. Oh, or the big one, that if we just say this little prayer, then we can pretty much do whatever we want after that and we're perfectly safe and can be sure that we're going to heaven no matter what. Never mind lordship or obedience or self-sacrifice. Never mind being crucified daily or being perfect as he is perfect. Just this, repeat after me. I'm just real sure that that was a doctrine of devils, because it sure ain't in the Bible, and it's caused millions, maybe hundreds of millions, to miss the whole point. The New Testament would be a lot shorter if it all boiled down to, accept Jesus into your heart, say this prayer, and you'll be saved. In fact, there's no such thing like that anywhere in the Bible. We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're to walk humbly before our God as broken and contrite vessels useful for His purposes. We're to surrender all. 
I'm warning you, don't toy with the Godhead. Don't go saying he's powerless and he changes. I don't want to hear your talk about some dispensation where God stopped being who he was before. Yes, he changes the way he relates to us as we mature, individually and collectively. But he doesn't change who he is, and he doesn't stop doing supernatural things. He's God. He's not natural. He can't help but be supernatural. When he touches stuff, supernatural things happen. That's by definition. If there's a dispensation where the Holy Spirit is powerless, then what else is variable? How else might God change without warning us ahead of time? And how come the enemy isn't powerless? If anything, as we mature and are more able to handle responsibility and walk in love and submission and brokenness, he would be pouring out more of his Spirit and the miracle-working power that goes along with it. When we actually grow up into him who is the head, maybe we can be trusted with the fullness of the really cool toys. Ephesians 4.15 if we're not seeing the kind of signs and wonders that were seen by the first apostles and are happening around the world as we speak, then maybe it's because the Christians in America are barely able to digest the milk they're being fed and can't handle solid meat. If we were mature, we'd be following Jesus Christ and making Him our head instead of some man. We'd hear His voice and obey all the time. We'd be His sheep and not need hired shepherds who, by the way, are in for a rude awakening when the true shepherd shows up and appoints his own under-shepherds instead of the ones we voted into office to tickle our ears. You might want to read Ezekiel 34 and weep, repent, and mourn before it's too late. Who Neutered the Holy Spirit? From FellowshipOfTheMartyrs.com Pages 25-27 to 27. If more Holy Spirit is available to me, how do I get it? Good question. This is kind of important, isn't it? If there's more out there, I want it, and I need to know how to get it. Transferal of the Holy Spirit, or gifts or healing, by the laying on of hands. Moses to Joshua, Deuteronomy 34.9. Peter and John to the Samaritan believers who were saved, but hadn't received the Spirit yet, Acts 8.15-20. Ananias to Saul, Acts 9.17. Paul to the believers in Ephesus, Acts 19.6. Paul heals by laying on hands, Acts 28.8. The elders to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6. Presumably, Paul to the Romans, if he could get there, Romans 1.11. The Great Commission charges all believers to lay hands on the sick and for them to be healed, Mark 16.18. This is the most common way seen in the Bible, and in actual practice, the most common way it's done in the churches that practice this still today. There's something about coming together in person and actual physical contact that's really powerful. The word also cautions this, 1 Timothy 5.22, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. Some chunks of the church that don't believe the Holy Spirit moves like this interpret that verse to mean that laying on of hands is only for commissioning services to send out missionaries or ordain someone, and that they are not to do that without extensive personality testing and ordination committee meetings and group votes on the acceptability of the candidate's doctrine and adherence to denominational policies. Sadly man-like, isn't it? But I think it means what it says. Don't lay hands suddenly on anybody lest you be partakers of their sins. It's a dangerous thing to have people pour stuff into you. There are all kinds of ways that the enemy can sneak in. Whether it's something of the enemy or just soul force and self, it's really important to make sure that you're fully armored up and covered in the blood of Jesus before you lay hands on anybody. You don't want to give them something that they aren't ready for or some piece of your own self that they shouldn't have and you don't want to receive anything from them that isn't what God wants for you. 
More on that later. But the point is that God will not give you a stone if you ask for bread. He's a good father. So when someone lays hands on you, do not make them an idol and seek whatever they have. Do not ask the Lord to make you like them. Ask the Lord to give you only whatever He wants for you. All good gifts come from the Father. If you go with a pure heart, covered in the blood, and seeking Jesus, you'll get Jesus. If you go seeking a manifestation or a gift so your ministry will be famous, you'll be rolling on the floor clucking like a chicken before you know it. If your motivation is lust, he'll turn you over to the enemy. Don't partake in their sins. Receiving of the Holy Spirit by just hearing the truth of the gospel preached. Gentiles in the house of Cornelius, Acts 10. Sometimes all we need to do is be in a situation where the Holy Spirit is speaking through someone as he was when Peter was testifying of the truth of the gospel. That creates a bubble in which the Holy Spirit can move freely because we're not going about our own agenda, but glorifying the Son and speaking to the immediate needs of the people. Sometimes all someone needs is to see the possibility, and their eyes are opened, their heart is hungry, and the Lord swoops in and satisfies their heart. This is altogether too rare in the church today. Mostly, we're obsessed with our own agendas. The true gospel, a call for repentance, and absolute submission to the king is very, very rare. Please note, they were not in a church in Acts 10. This was a private home, and there was no special music or liturgical responsive reading or offering or announcements or anything. They didn't have to go through eight weeks of the purpose-driven life before they could be members. They just believed in faith and received. And nobody could deny that they needed to be baptized in water right on the spot, because they were desperately hungry for God, were shown that He is real, and can satisfy their hunger. They sought Him and found Him. Receiving of the Holy Spirit, or a gift, by sucking it out. The woman with the blood disease drawing power from Jesus' garment. Mark five twenty four to 34 People believing in faith that they could draw power from Peter's shadow. Acts five fifteen. Jairus knew that if Jesus would just touch his daughter, she'd be healed. Mark five twenty three. Handkerchiefs that had touched Paul's skin were healing people. Acts nineteen twelve. You can get your cup full alone in a closet. You can get your cup full with the help of others. You can get your cup full when the Lord speaks to you about His majesty in a sunset or a starry sky or the Rocky Mountains. He's all around. He's right beside you. Reach out and touch the hem of His garment and ask Him for whatever you need. If you seek Him, you will find Him. Just stop telling Him what He can and can't do. Receiving the Holy Spirit by drinking it in. David's thirst. Psalm 42. Psalm 63, 1-6. Psalm 143, 6-12. The Lord's instruction through Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. The instruction of Paul, 1 Corinthians 12:13. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Jesus' own Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 3-12. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled.
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus and the woman at the well, John 4.10 Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The promise of Jesus, John seven thirty-seven to 39 In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Did you get all that? The word of God says that fountains, or rivers, or streams, or wells of living water will flow up from inside of us that we can reach out and drink from the river of life any time we have a need, that it's free, that is our birthright. Do you feel that happening to you? Do you know how to stick a straw in the river of life and suck until you're full? Maybe your cup is all full of the wrong kind of stuff and there's no room. Maybe you put a cork on it by unforgiveness or fear or bitterness. Maybe you have your hand over the top of your cup because you think you've had enough or already gotten all that was available. Maybe you're putting them in a box. More on this in part two. Also visit the website and read Rain Right Now, Lord, available online for free at www.fellowshipofthemartyrs.com.